0: The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, UnitedHealthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: Hello and welcome to another FT Management Podcast. I'm Adam Jones, and today I'm chatting with Professor Baba Shiv of Stanford Graduate School of Business. Professor Shiv is an expert in decision neuroscience. In layman's terms, this means he knows a lot about how emotions affect our decision-making. I'd like to start by asking about the recent uh, economic gloom in the US, the UK and other wealthy countries. Uh, How how are emotions driving the behaviour of businesses, individuals and markets in these countries?
2: I mean, one thing that we see, um, times of downturns that we're seeing both in the United States and in Europe, especially in the United Kingdom, is that um, individuals as well as businesses tend to uh, get into a cocoon, this whole notion of cocooning. Uh, And that happens when you're scared, right? I mean, this whole notion of freezing, you want to coil up in a corner and not do anything. You see that happening, but strangely enough... Uh, you see the other side. I mean, as as human beings, we are basically, I would say, animals in a sense, and we are always looking for indulgence. And strangely enough, at times of downturns compared to at times of upturns, uh, what you see people doing is, again, indulging, but these indulgences are much more inward directed. In other words, it's more for personal pleasure rather than outward directed, so uh, where I have to signal to someone else, demonstrate that, you know, here's my status in the world, you know. So you see in times of upturns, there'll be more of purchases of luxury watches, uh, luxury cars, and so on. Whereas at times of downturns, you'll see indulgences much more personally oriented, which could be things like, you know, more consumption of alcohol. Uh, It could be going on a vacation, right. I mean, this is all for my own personal pleasure. And I think you're beginning to see that happen, uh, both here in the United Kingdom as well as especially in the United States.
1: And what about managers? I mean, what can they do to master uh, the emotions of, of fear and inertia and, and make sound decisions during a downturn?
2: If you're running a business, uh, you are still a human being. You're also going to be scared at times of downturns. And at, at these junctures, it's best to become what I call becoming a Vulcan, like Mr. Spock in um, Star Trek. Uh, What I mean here is that you try to avoid triggers, uh, external triggers of emotions. Um, And a good way to do that, uh, this is not just at times of downturns, even at times of upturns, you don't want to become too exuberant and greedy and so on. In general, the higher up you are in an organization, what you want to do is, first of all, try to get all your information in the form of words or print rather than audio In other words, I always advise senior managers not to pay attention to what is going on in the television world because those things tend to be very strong triggers of emotion, which means that at times of downturns, those emotions are going to be ones of fear. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't focus on what is going on in the real world. Right, I mean, because that is going to be a good reflection of how the people, how your customers and so on, are feeling right now because they are watching television. And that's where what I advise uh, managers to do is to delegate, have someone else in the organization pay attention to what is going on in the audiovisual media world uh, and provide that information to, the, to you uh, as a manager so that it is not, it's not audiovisual form anymore, but it is in verbal form right now.
1: And do you have any uh, good examples of of managers or other leaders who who are very capable and ready to to screen out information like that on a personal level, but also get it presented to them by their underlings?
2: One of the leaders uh, that comes to my mind quite readily is uh, Bill Clinton. Certainly not didn't work in the financial business domain, but uh, in the political domain. And if you think about the political domain, upturns and downturns can happen at the turn of a dime. Right? It's not like the financial markets where you have a large number of, uh, you know, several years before these uh, begin to change. Um, from what I gather from reading his biography and, you know, from talking to people who knew him was that Bill Clinton was a master at doing this. In other words, he would have, he would delegate uh, information gathering to his the his different different people in his in his cabinet, and uh there'll be someone who'll focus on you know the emotions in the in the populace there'll be someone else who'll be giving policy kind of viewpoints perspectives and so on and from what I gather uh, Bill Clinton was one person who didn't watch too much of television most of his information that came in before he made up his mind well most of it was in in written form or verbal form and that's i think is a good example of how you kind of Try to shut yourself off from the emotional triggers so that you, when you're making your final decision, are making the decision in this, in, the of, in a mindset in a state of uh, in a state of being a welcome.
1: Could one's strategy for surviving a downturn be to reduce the number of decisions one takes? or reduce the number of options one considers for each decision. I think you've done research that suggests that people's cognitive load does affect their ability to make a good decision, uh, cognitive load being the number of things they've got on their mind at any one time.
2: It's not just at times of downturns, but at any point in time, you're much better off uh, reducing the number of options that you have to choose from. So one of the advice I give individuals as well as managers is that uh, try to kind of try to identify a fixed set of options, not too many because then again you're going to freeze, um, but you know, three to five options at maximum. Have this all presented to you um, simultaneously um, rather than sequentially. In other words, you don't want to kind of look at options if you're, for example, in private equity. I mean, it's a good example here is that you might be sitting with about $300 billion out there and you have to make an investment. Um, one way to do that is to ask your team to bring to you opportunities as they come by, right? And then your decision now is to say whether I should go with this opportunity or wait for a future, and very often unknown opportunity. And uh, what we have shown in our research is that making these decisions in a sequential fashion does two things. One is it causes one to postpone their decision. They simply cannot make up their minds. And even if you end up making up your mind, you're not very confident, you're not very sure that you've made the right decision. And that's not, and again, that's not good, right? So my advice would be, I mean, this is not just at times of downturns. Uh, At any time when someone is making a decision, what do you want to go in for is a fixed set of options that you identified past the bar. And second, which I didn't talk about before, was try to set a deadline. And once you do that, you're going to make a good decision in the sense that you would be happy with the decision that you have made. You would not have postponed the decision-making because of the deadline. And because you're confident of the decision, you're going to show to the world, to your team, et cetera, that you're behind the decision that you made.
1: And could you extend that uh, theory of preferring simultaneous options, um wanting to be presented with simultaneous options as opposed to sequential options, could that theory be extended to dating, for instance? Because that's one of those areas, the area probably, where um, it's, it's tragic in some cases that you know, you get presented with one suitor, they're not quite right, and then you think, well, I'll wait till the next one comes along, they're still not quite right, and then you know, decades can pass like that.
2: Adam, here I am talking to Financial Times and talking about dating anyway. But you're right. I mean, metaphorically, uh, it's absolutely very similar to what I talked about before, private equity versus being an individual. So think about, a, quote, unquote, an arranged marriage versus quote, unquote, a love marriage. So one situation is where the person, um, you know, in a, in a love marriage situation, what you're doing is that you're dating one person, and then you have to make the decision, you know, am I going to stick to this person or move on? And very often, the pers- the future is unknown, right? Uh, It's almost like, do I go with the known bird in hand or go with the unknown bird in the bush? And it turns out, um, just as with the private equity situation that I presented before, um, even in relationships, if you start making your decisions sequentially... Rather than simultaneously, which is, quote, unquote, the arranged marriage or what he, e-harmonial, the, all these dating sites do now, is they present to you a fixed set of options. Uh, making it sequentially makes you worse off. And the reason for that is we tend to be eternal optimists in general, unless someone is depressed and, you know, then it's going to be different. But most of us are eternal optimists. And optimism is nothing but the, has these two characteristics to it. One is the emotion of hope. So you're sitting with this known bird in hand. It might have, in absolute terms, passed all the thresholds that you had in mind, in terms of a relationship, in terms of the opportunity if you're in private equity and so on. But here you are thinking that the next future bird in the bush, the unknown bird in the bush, is probably going to be better. And that's where hope kicks in, this emotion of hope. And this fear also kicks in, that fear of being stuck with a suboptimal option right now. And so just as it works in private equity, it'll work in personal relationships as well.
1: And that, that's beautifully explained, and I'm sure you uh, uh, fulfill the role of uh, unofficial therapist to many uh, yes. single friends. Professor Shiv, thank you very much.